guest is a college football Hall of Famer and a former NFL Pro Bowl quarterback. I want to welcome on Jake the Snake Plumber. Jake, how's everything going for you? It's going well, Zach. How you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm hyped. We got football tomorrow. Are you ready? Uh, it's already happening tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, yeah, you know, as hyped as a hype can get. <laughs> so who do, who do you like? you got Dallas, who's been fine on hard knocks. Maybe we'll see how Dak can get back from the ankle injury. And then you got Tampa's coming off the Super Bowl. Who, who do you like? Who are you liking in the first matchup of the year? Uh, I'm going to go with Dallas just because they, uh, they're a client of ours with ready list. So, you know, I'm uh, partial to them now, even though, you know, Texas isn't high on my list, but it's a, uh, it's a good state with some fun stuff to do. And I'm thinking the Dallas Cowboys because uh, Kellen Moore, the BSU player is the OC there. So he's a good kid and they got onto our system. Hopefully uh, they'll win a lot of games. Therefore uh, relating that back to ready list sports as maybe one of the causes as we'll get to that later. <laughs> well, why don't we, why don't we just get into it and get into it now. Can you talk about ready list a little bit, a little bit about some of the great work you guys are doing? Yeah, it's been a labor of love. We've been working hard on uh, creating a digital platform a learning management system for playbooks. It's basically uh, utilizing multiple learning styles to up retention rates, uh, create more efficiency in studying and give kids uh, uh, coaches an accountability, accountability tool. So their kids get playbooks sent to them to their phones through an app and they can go right on study as many times as they want. If it's a graded test, they get to study once, then they, they take the test on what they've retained from that offense or from the installation that day. And those results get sent back to the coach. So that along with a revolutionary drawing tool that, uh, you know, we put in an entire San Francisco offensive playbook, 700 plays in five days with two people. So that's usually taking a quality control staff of three, you know, a month, month and a half of diligently working nonstop to try to redraw all those plays. So we, we're doing some good stuff. We've got, uh, you know, the, the, the surmountable hill of trying to raise funds now. So we're looking for investors to help us continue on. And uh, we got a lot of coaches in the NFL that are looking forward to us can finishing up some development. And ultimately we want to raise the IQ of the football players and help coaches coach more efficiently, save them tons and tons of time and give kids a tool that they can use to step on the field, be ready to go, know what they're doing, play fast, which I believe if you play fast, you're less prone to injury. And uh, you'll be able to go out there and know what you're doing, not get screamed at. Mental errors go down, winds go up and, uh, All's good. What will we be seeing you guys on Shark Tank anytime soon? I don't know. I think we're gonna we've been going at it alone so far. So you know, you go on Shark Tank, you got to give away you know half your company to some <laughs> some rich people just because they have money. Cuban, so. Cuban, and then he can cover it in any case because he's already in Dallas. You're to get that connection going. So yeah, you know, our goal is to go from football into other sports with with playbooks. You know, anything with uh, you know any type of movement. So we're, we're growing. We're, we're going to get there. It's been, like I said, two guys, me and my buddy, Chad Freehoff, we're, we don't have business degrees. We're not entrepreneurs or tech, cool. any tech history, but we know what we're providing is a valuable tool to not only players, but coaches and, and all levels from the pros all the way down to eight-year-olds. Uh, even a mom that, you know, maybe has to volunteer to be a coach. Our playbook comes preloaded with plays already drawn in there. So all she'd have to do is go pick them out, send them to her kids, a kid's study, and now today with the limited amount of time kids have to, to do everything they're doing, all the multiple sports they're playing and their schooling and, and friends and, and, and social life, you know, we're hoping to save time on the practice field too. So it's much more efficient, much more efficient use of time. And uh, coaches will know what their players know so they can be more pointed on what they're doing in practice. 
who's the Washington football team and use that last year? Maybe Haskins made, might have done a little better in that Seattle game because I know playbook was not really his forte. Um, uh, so it's tough, man, it's tough to learn that stuff. Yeah, it's all language. Yeah. It's all words. It's the same thing, <laughs> just different words. So it's like yeah. the Rosetta Stone for for football, really. Uh, yeah, foreign language. Yeah. You're trying to learn those terms as quick as you can, so you can go out yeah. there and play fast. That's really interesting. I'll definitely link it when I, when I post it, but then I want to ask you, so obviously you spent a lot of time with your career in the Cardinals. Um, they're in the running to potentially run away with this NFC West division this year. Would you like the moves they've made? Yeah, they made some strong acquisitions in the off season, some veteran leadership, some, some solid guys that if they manage them well and they stay healthy, they should have, you know, a good, a good chance. You know, they had a, a lot of injuries last year at the running back position, which, you know, that's tough because they had some very explosive runners, None other, none other than, I mean, Kyler Murray, he's the kid that can, can really do some marvelous things. So I think a lot hinges on his ability to not only make plays, but, you know, not make bad plays in, in critical times. He's going to make some plays where you shake your head, but that's his nature. Uh, you know, I think he's just going to be, as, as he gets one more season under his belt last year, which was a weird season, uh, look out for big things from him. He's so quick. He's so fast. Uh, as, as Cliff Kingsbury, who's uh, they used the ready list too a couple years back, and uh, he, he's he's very creative and ingenuitive, so he's going to put this kid in some positions to succeed. They got some speed on offense, and that's always good. But football is all about staying healthy, and uh, you know, when you get the ball in your hands in that last minute or two, what do you do with it? How do you manage the clock? Uh, you know, if you can pull the wins out and you got a good veteran quarterback or someone that knows what they're doing and a great coaching staff which I believe the Cardinals do. They have a good, good set of coaches there. They should be pretty good. I'm looking to see them, uh, you know, be in the running for sure. Was Larry Fitzgerald there when you were there? I know he's been there forever. No, no, he's been there forever, but I, I was, go I was there a long time ago. Man. Okay. Like over 21 years ago, I was there. <laughs> uh, um, so do you think people are kind of sleeping on them? Cause I know obviously the Rams got Stafford, the Niners got Trey Lance. Everybody, there's been a lot of hype on those two teams. I feel like the, the Cardinals obviously had the play of the year last year in the Hale Murray. And they, they kind of, they, they were, I, I know Kyler got hurt midway through the season. You could tell he was easily banged up. Do you think this is a team maybe people aren't are really sleeping on that could just kind of shock the whole league? Uh, you know, I don't know. We'll wait and see. I mean, you know, the Cardinals reputation alone is just one that, you know, they're not a perennial threat every year so it's a kind of up and down organization uh so if they've, they've made some good moves they've done some good things um it's it's hard to say you're leaving seattle out of the mix there which has yeah. a veteran quarterback very good coaching staff they're always going to be in the running they're just kind of like uh you know the patriots of old were where you just even though they start slow or maybe don't look great early on you know that team's loaded with players that know how to get it done and a, and a coaching staff that knows how to put them in position so Wide open right now. Everybody's uh, Super Bowl champions right now. Their goals and aspirations are such. So uh, we'll wait and see what, what the Cardinals do. It should be interesting to see how Trey Lance does down in San Francisco. Uh, Sam Fran, another client of ours that uh, used the ready list. So hopefully it, he, it's helped him learn the plays really quickly and that wordy, long-winded West Coast offense that they, they have. I mean, it's a great offense, but you got to know how to say 10 to 12 words every time there's a play coming in. So We'll see how he does. And then, you know, Stafford down in L.A. is going to be fun to watch, too, with the creativity of McVay. But that's a good conference there. It's going to be fun to see who comes out of it. Do you think all four – there's a chance – now with the expanded playoffs, there's a chance all four teams could make the playoffs. There's a chance for anything right now, man. There's a chance for, you know, a fan to run on the field and, and uh, cough on a player. You never know. <laughs> and I want, to, I want to pivot over to, uh, to Denver. So Denver's 
not as not as kind of locked in at their quarterback. It went out and got Teddy Bridgewater, named him the starter over Drew Locke. There were some rumors about Rodgers during the draft. What are you expecting from them this year? Because then they're going up against the Chiefs. You get the Raiders are coming up. You get the Chargers. What are you expecting from Denver? Uh, they'll be solid. I think it all depends on uh, the leadership on that team. I haven't seen a lot of strong leaders step up and you know really demand uh, a level of, of execution or, or step up when things are going wrong and kind of make the, make the necessary, you know, from a player standpoint, put down the, put down the necessary, uh, you know, you know, impetus on, Hey, this is what we're going to do. Um, you know, Bridgewater, he's a consistent quarterback. He can make some plays. Uh, I wouldn't say he's one of the best in the league, but he's, he's good enough on a strong team to, to make some good things happen. And they got a great, they got a pretty solid team. Their offense is pretty loaded with some weapons and they got a couple decent running backs it all, you know, depends on, you know, that defense, having Chubb and, and Von Miller back healthy. That will be interesting. That's going to be, uh, you know, fun to watch. And they're strong up in the middle on defense also. And then you got to throw in their back end. Patrick Sertain is, you know, got the lineage and the bloodline. I mean, that kid looks and looks the part. will be getting his dad's breakdowns of receivers. So look for him to be and make an impact right away, I believe. And, uh, you know, all the rumors in the offseason, it's all gone now. Now it's Teddy Bridgewater's chance to go out there. But Drew Lockson waiting in the wings. And so if something happens with Teddy or if Teddy isn't working out, I think Drew will come in and do a decent job also. What are your expectations for this team? Because I've seen that people's predictions are all over the place. Uh, you know, I don't know. I just want to see him compete. You know, I mean, I don't like to make predictions, but I want to see him compete. And when things aren't going well, let's see those leaders step up and, and make, make moves to, to get the guys back on track. But I think they got the, I got, they got what it takes to have a good team. It all depends. I think offensively, how creative they are uh, defensively, they're going to do well, but offensively, are we going to see them attack and go downfield? Are we going to see them, you know, use the weapons they have creatively? Uh, if they can do that, then I think they will be a decent, they will be right in the mix. It's a, uh, it's a, another strong conference. The Chiefs, again, you know, Mahomes can do anything. That team believes in him. So, you know, whatever happens there, you know, they, they, that's the top team in that division, I believe. And then, you know, the L.A. LA Chargers, uh, you know, Herbert's a, a question mark. You know, he had a great rookie season, but that sophomore season could be tough. We'll see what they've done to build around him. And uh, I think that's another loaded conference. It's going to be fun to watch. Get some, some fun players in that league. Are there any rookie QBs you get your eye on? I'm going to watch Trey Lance for sure. I'm excited to see what he's going to do there in San Fran with uh, Kyle's creativity and what he does with that West coast. Uh, I think it'll be fun to see what I've, what I'm hearing is this kid is, uh, is pretty, is, is fast. He's very fast. He's got a pretty strong arm and he's just a great leader, great hard worker. John Lynch being the GM, I know isn't going to draft some kid that isn't going to come in there and, and know how to get it done. And that's what, that's what excites me just to see, I think watching him is going to be fun to see how he how he acclimates to that West Coast system and then uh, again to a, to a longer season coming out of college to a full sixteen week seventeen week with a bye week season in the NFL. Well, obviously with Lance, he's only played one game last year in the shortened season. Are you surprised that Jimmy G was named the starter? Uh, not really. I mean, I think you know it's a big big jump to get uh, you know from from day from day one being drafted and to becoming the starter, but it'll be interesting to see. You know, whenever there's a young buck back there, no matter what you, you no matter what you have starting, there's always going to be those people chirping for that younger, uh, fresher, newer model they haven't seen run yet. So even though he's not starting, I'm still excited to see what they're going to do 
to get him on the field. I think they're going to find ways to get him on the field. Maybe not be the full-time starter, but as we saw in New Orleans with Drew Brees and, uh, and Taysom Hill, you know, creativity wins here. Throwing in little wrinkles will, will throw defenses out of their, you know, all of their study and all of their, you know, uh, ability to read the, read what the offense is doing and tendencies. You throw in a few wrinkles, throw in another quarterback that's an athlete, you know, you're going to throw them off balance. So it'll be fun to see, like I said, the creativity behind what, what's happening there with another Shanahan mastermind. Does this Lance remind you of anybody you either watched or you played when you were in the league? Um, I really haven't seen enough film on him to tell you exactly who he reminds me of, but I know, you know, just with his abilities, with his legs and with his arms, I mean, you know, maybe he'll be end up being a little like a Randall Cunningham type, you know, the ability to extend plays to scramble uh, again, then that brings in the, the risk of injury. So hopefully he's smart on, on how to get down, how to dodge guys, how to not be big, but get small and not get, take those hard shots. I want to ask you about this new movie. I'm hearing about your end. Uh, did you ever have an, did you have a long interest in acting? How did you get involved with this? With uh, <laughs> No, no interest really. I mean, I've always thought it'd be fun had I, you know, gone that route when I was younger, but uh, you know, living where I live and, and, you know, I was in some drama in high school but, you know, the, the, the main part that I got for one of the plays ended up being uh, the, the night of a football game. So I was like, I, I chose football over acting in, in high school. This chance and opportunity came out of, out of left field. The guy just wanted to like me as a player, thought I'd be perfect for this role, reached out to me, and I said, sure. So far, I haven't heard back from him for a while, so I don't know if that's a good sign. But, you know, the <laughs> kick is, is, is in the process of raising funds trying to raise the money to, to, uh, you know, hire the actors and get it going. And that's the challenge, you know, signing me up, having me talk on the radio about it is nothing, but getting the money to be, get behind it and actually film it then cut it and produce it and get it onto the big screen. That's a whole, no, <clears throat> whole nother story. So yeah, it, it'll be fun. I don't have to stretch too far in my acting. I just have to be an old grizzly quarterback, getting his team motivated at halftime to come out and do something special. That's awesome. And I want to ask you, so um, I saw ASU, they're doing, they're looking pretty good so far in week one. What do you, what do you, what, do you, what are your expectations? How do you see them uh, faring out this year in the Pac-12? I expect them to do really well. It's about time, you know, with uh, their court quarterback. Uh, he's a young buck that's got some skills and he had a, a, a you know, one year there, a shortened season, but another chance to just learn more, get stronger, bigger, faster, and I love his, I love his ability, Jaden Daniels' ability to make plays. His deep ball is amazing. He's fearless. He really doesn't have uh, any fear when he's out there. His teammates believe in him. So they're pretty loaded. I think they bring a lot of starters back. And uh, I hope to see them do well. I hope the coaches, you know, attack and get after it and, and let those players, you know, show, show their talents on the field. But, I mean, in the Pac-12 – you know, I haven't really looked at the rankings much. I don't like looking at the rankings. I'd rather just see how the games play out. But I think ASU's poised to have a big season. I think they can do really well. Were you surprised when Herman Edwards took the job? Not at all. I thought it was a great, great hire. Uh, you know, a guy that can galvanize the community and, and, and be a integral part in these young men's journey from, from coming out of high school to becoming a man on their own, living on their own and managing life away from mom and dad. I think he's a, a great coach. He was a phenomenal player, he coached really well in the league. I think that the young players respond well to him, mainly because he's honest with them. He's truthful. He speaks from his heart. He doesn't, you know, BS him and tell him one thing and do another. He's just the real deal. And he's a, he's a, he's a, uh, 
put together a, a really good coaching staff also, even though some guys have left recently, they're still getting some good guys back there, some former players back there that can be inspirational for these guys to, to tell them, you know, Hey, help them get through those tough moments. They're all going to have those tough practices, uh, the tough, tough moments during the season where you're getting down a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I think Herm was a great hire. I was, you know, defending him from day one. And, and we see that he's, he's done really well there so far. How, how'd you end up there? How did I end up there? Yeah, at ASU. I was recruited by a lot of different schools. And then, you know, towards the, well, when summer before my senior year started, they were the first team to call me. So I was immediately like, hey, ASU's, you know, in my top five, number one right now. And as things progressed, you know, Washington State, Colorado, Iowa, um, try to remember the other one that was on there. I don't know. I had one more school, Washington, I think, the Huskies. And those were my top five. And I was going to trip to all of them, but I tripped to ASU, had a great time, went to Wazoo, uh, and then, then made my decision. But the ultimate reason I went there is because Bruce Snyder had the belief that I was going to be the, you know, the piece that he needed to help this program uh, win a national title. And he was the only, only coach in the country that put that much confidence in me and felt that highly about my abilities and what he saw on film to come in there and to be the guy. So that's why ultimately I went to ASU because I wanted to see if what he was talking about could happen. And, you know, we damn near pulled it off in 96. It almost happened after three pretty tough years of growing and bonding together and learning, you know, one at a time and, and, and bringing in the right players. That senior season was phenomenal. Uh, sure enough, what, what he, what he said that I was an integral part, he saw something special in me uh, you know, he let me be that person through some ups and downs where nowadays I probably would have been benched at times for, for my play at ASU, but he hung with me and, uh, you know, was a great coach, put a lot of great coaches around me too, that I learned from, you know, Bobby Petrino, Hugh Jackson, some high level coaches that taught me a lot. John Pettis was my coach, my senior year. So that's why I went to ASU was, uh, a little bit of getting away from from home because Wazoo is pretty close to Idaho and where my dad lived in Coeur d'Alene and getting away from home, getting out for fresh start and getting a chance to win a national title. That was a big, big confidence boost for me to hear a coach tell me that when I was that young and, and green behind the green and, and wet behind the ears, being able to go down there uh, with that much put on confidence put into me to be the guy. So I owe it all to Bruce Snyder and that staff. How hot does it get out there? It was hot, man. I went looking for an apartment in the summer I had a Mazda with no AC, Mazda 323 and uh, no air conditioning. And I put my hand out the window and it, the, wind, the wind on the backside of my hand was almost so hot I had to pull it in. It was 122 degrees out. So there was a lot of occasions. We won the summer before the, our senior year. We ran 18 110s and it was 100, about 115, 116 degrees at three o'clock in the afternoon. And there were probably 25 to 30 guys out there on that afternoon. So we put in the work, you know, it wasn't just coach saying the words. It was all of us believing in that and putting the work together. And it was hot as hell there though. It was, it was, but the night games, man, we played games at night, which was beautiful. Uh, it was always humid and hot, but it was a lot less intense with not without that sun shining on you. And then going towards the draft, you're like, all right, I want to be in a kind of a cooler climate. And then you're like, no, I'm staying here. Yeah. I was looking forward to getting out of there really uh, just to try to experience a new city. I grew up in Boise, Idaho. I've been to Tempe, Arizona. Uh, you know, if you've been there, it's, it's, it's nice, but it's not a, uh, it's not a cosmopolitan, cosmopolitan city. You know, it's not like a, you know, going somewhere else where there would, you know, just be more, more, uh, history behind it. Uh, but I had a great time there. It ended up being a great transition. Getting to play for the Cardinals was awesome. I didn't have to move. 
anywhere, relocate, uh, try to find new support staff everywhere I went or support people and friends wherever I moved to. I had a, a whole slew of them at ASU. And then obviously, you know, close friends that I'd become friends with through college that were there. And so the transition was easy. And then, you know, with the Cardinals, it was, again, a chance that uh, one more reason why I went to ASU, because I'd never heard much about them. And I didn't want to just go to another school and be the next guy that took them to another national title. So, you know, when I left ASU, we were on the map. And when I got to Arizona, I hadn't heard much about them even being in the same city, other than, you know, they didn't like Sun Devil Stadium. And that kind of irked me. But I liked it because it was a chance to, to try to build something. And sure enough, you know, I started halfway through my rookie year. And in 98, we had a remarkable season, went to the playoffs, won a playoff game for the first time in 50 years. And then management, you know, sucked. To be, blank, to be you know, point blank, our, our management sucked. They tried to save money and cut some veterans, got rid of all of our leaders. And, and then we went through a couple of rough years where we really were not good at all. And I blame that on our, our you know, on the coaches and or the coaches and, and the management general managers and all those for making those decisions that were really poor decisions to let guys like Larry Sanders, Lomas Brown, Jameer Miller, they let all these guys go and thought they could replace them with other players, but it just wasn't the same. So it was still a fun, fun time. I had a good time in the Valley there and uh, have a lot of good memories from that time. Was Mark Tressman your QB coach? I had him on. I remember he was raving about you about that season. He was uh, the offensive coordinator okay. at 98. So we were struggling and halfway through the year, we went no huddle. I had a, a handful of plays I could call whenever I wanted to. And he'd, he'd radio stuff in. And for him, it was great because he was just, he wasn't thinking about a play. He's a very cerebral coach. So he could overthink sometimes. What do we do? What do we do? And he just was throwing them out there, man. And we would lit the league up. I threw for 2,500 plus in, in eight games that year, uh, the second half of the season. So yeah, we were rolling. And even at the end of the year, we needed one play to get in the field goal range to clinch the playoffs. He's looking on a sheet trying to figure it out. I said, coach, just run Hank. Let's run Hank. I'll throw it to Frank. He'll get 10 yards. We'll call timeout and win this thing. He just said, go ahead. You got it. So yeah, Tressman was a great coach. Uh, we had a lot of fun. That was a fun year. We had a lot of great players. You think you got a raw deal in the NFL? You think after the Bears, he's kind of been out of it? Uh, I don't think he got a raw deal. He got his opportunity. I think he just got a raw QB. He got a QB that, you know, wasn't the right fit for what he wanted. He didn't have the right leadership when he was coaching. Uh, he coached in a different style, though. You know, uh, now I think his style would be much more agreeable to the league. He, he, he didn't scream at players. He didn't belittle players. He didn't make you feel like shit just so he could pump you up or however some coaches do that. He was a very, very thoughtful like I said, very cerebral, very, uh, you know, compassionate coach. So I think, yeah, he got a raw deal is that he doesn't get another chance to coach again yet. Uh, but he's gone on and done well in the CFL and proved that yeah. he's, he's a great coach. He knows what he's doing. He's yeah. very, very smart, knows how to find talent and put them in the right place to succeed. Then I want to ask you, so I was reading, there was a, 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 a game against the Dolphins where you and a fan had an interaction. Then you said, kind of screw this guy and he went in and had a game winning drive. <laughs> Yeah, I gave him the bird, man. There was a fan that was really not very nice, was saying some very inappropriate things if he was a Broncos fan. So it just happened when I flipped it, you know, fixed my hat and gave him a little bird that the camera was on me. That's okay. I went out and took the team down. We won. I had to, you know, handle it like a man, though, and say I would never do that again. And since then, I found more creative ways to hide the bird when I would flip it to the fans or I'd just be a little more discreet when I would be cussing them out when they'd boo us. <laughs> What was it like beating Brady in a playoff game? 
you know, I never got to beat Brady up personally, like punching him in the face or anything and like taking him down. But when you beat the Patriots and the fact that they were just a great organization and hard to, hard to beat. And then what, what they went and did, you know, after I retired, you know, I take a little pride in that. I had teams that, that we weren't afraid to face the guy, the, the, the favors, the favorites. We weren't afraid to be uh, the underdog to go out go in and, uh, you know, fight and win. And that, that was fun to, to be able to play against those teams. And, and at that time for us, you know, we, we, we blew it in 05 against Pittsburgh, but that was a year to win a Super Bowl. We were right there. We had the best team in the league and uh, we just didn't get it done at home against Pittsburgh. And you know, I made a few bad plays. We just missed up, missed a few opportunities, but that still 05 was a great year. It was a lot of fun. And uh, getting to play in Denver was a really uh, revitalized my career for four years there. I, I, you know, showed the NFL that I was capable of, of doing a lot of great things and being a leader of a, of a good organization. Seeing what Brady's doing now, still playing. Did you ever have an inclination, to maybe give it, give another shot, or were you done? I thought about it for you know a little bit when when Kubiak was down in Texas, and uh, you know as I started thinking about playing and chewing my nails and becoming kind of a, a jerk around the house, <laughs> it was obvious that it was not a good thing for me to go back into football. But it wasn't a real serious thought. It was just you know oh man that'd be fun to go back and just see how I could fit in and maybe just be a backup and a leader and try to teach these young kids a little bit about how to approach the game in a different way, how to approach life in, in general. Uh, but, but yeah, there was no, once 10 years was up, my body was done. My mind was out of it and my heart was done. I still love the game. I think it's a great game and, and there's a lot to learn from it, but uh, it did a lot for me and I'm glad that I spent 10 years and was done. That's all I needed. There's one, one last question for you. So I saw after you retired, Gruden and Bruce Allen tried to bring you to Tampa. What was that? What was that situation like? <laughs> yeah, they, you know, Shanahan didn't believe I was retiring. So he traded my rights <laughs> to Tampa for a sixth round draft pick. And therefore Tampa made the move because what they got was either me who they wanted to be the starter. And if I retired, then they got half of my signing bonus. So it was a win-win for them. It was a money move. They knew I was retiring. I told them that. So they ended up getting the money that Bolin had given me. Uh, I didn't care. They paid me enough money. I'm, I'm doing well. And I, I knew I could live on the money I'd made, the money I didn't ask for, but they gave me to play the game I loved. So, yeah, they were they were trying hard. They threw all the stops out me at me to try to come down there and play. But uh, I had other plans. I was getting married, get ready to just get away from the game. It was time to move on. You know, it's a, it's a young man's game. And I, I marvel at Brady. Uh, and even Breeze, who just retired, and these older guys that are playing, like, how do you do it? I just don't understand. But they love the game. And I, I, I did. I loved the game, but it wasn't me. It, it, it wasn't the only thing I loved. So for me to walk away, it wasn't that hard. How much longer do you think Brady's going to be playing? Hopefully he's going to be done after this year. But, you know, knowing him, he's going to go till – till they change the rules and allow, you know, you know the pocket to have a tape and, and maybe a – fence around it so that he could stay in there and still play and everybody can praise the old white Christian boy Tom Brady he's the demagogue he's a beautiful man he's like the perfect human in the world every woman in the world wants to have his babies and the NFL loves that so they got their poster boy even though they they go after him for deflate gate but I don't know man I, I congratulate him on playing as long as he can whatever he, he he obviously loves the game enough to you know stick with it. And I think he's got it dialed into what he enjoys doing. He does in the off season. And when it's time to go play, it's just like going to a job for him anymore. And then how can people find more information about ready list and how can people follow you on, uh, on social media? 
Yeah, follow me at, at Snakes Takes on, on Twitter and then Snake Plumber on Instagram and then uh, at Ready List Sports is our, our account on Twitter for Ready List. And you can go to readylistsports.com if you're a coach interested in a demo or checking it out. Um, I'm also involved in, a, in another one. I'll throw out there at Umbo Mushrooms, U-M-B-O Mushrooms. So check that? that out too. That's the what's coming up down the pipeline for what I'm getting into. It's just raising human optimization through medicinal mushrooms, oh, cool. uh, you know, taking them to help optimize your body and, and feel better, healthier, and get off of pharmaceuticals. You think the NFL eventually will just kind of relent to letting guys use recreational marijuana? I know they pulled up the, that uh, the pain, there was a pain, Tortorol? They, they got rid of Tortorol. Tortorol, yeah. You know, I, I, I don't know. I, they're not going to lead the charge, but as more players, uh, you know, dive into plant medicine and, and having the right to heal themselves how they want, I think they'll have to change because you can't, you know, outlaw something that, that half the league, if not more, have been doing since they were teenagers. You can't tell them now all of a sudden you can't. Um, and I think that the league is trying to is finally realizing that and understanding that, hey, this is this is about saving these guys, not just during their playing days, but post career. So they don't uh, become just another number or a stat that, that they don't want to talk about the stats of bankruptcy, divorce, suicide rates and CTE and just bad stuff from guys when they retire, if they're forced to take, uh, you know, these these high powered high-powered drugs that are very highly addictive, it leads them down a bad, bad rabbit hole. So I think the NFL is finally catching on. And it was nice to see that I don't think they're testing much anymore. It's not really going to be anything they're worried about. And, and good, because if it's entertainment that I'm watching the NFL for, then I don't care what Andre Hopkins has taken. I don't care what <laughs> any of those guys are on. Just entertain me. Go out there and play. Have fun. I don't really care. As long as you're not taking any like steroids or anything that gives you an unfair advantage, just stay healthy, happy, and, and get out of the game as soon as you can with your mind and body intact. And come see me if you need some uh, some medicinal mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Well, a couple of years ago, they were saying we're never going to be involved with sports betting. And yesterday on NFL Network, they had the spreads for week one. So anything's possible. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. NFL will do anything possible when it comes down to the <laughs> old green. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I do appreciate you taking the time. Glad you're finally able to set this up and can't wait for football to get going. But I do, I do want to thank you again. Awesome. Thank you, Zach. Thanks for having me on the show. You guys, everybody out there. Peace.